What is up? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm your host, Brett McGrath, Vice President of Marketing at The Juice. I love these conversations. I have a three-time CMO just started his new gig at Red Route, James Gilbert, on the pod today. He is talking about the magic of experience and how we as marketers don't always take customer experience into account and ways we can think about it to level up what we're doing in marketing and for the brands that we're building. You're going to want to tune in this into this one. Really good insight from a guy with a ton of experience and knows what he's talking about. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit the follow, subscribe, all those things. But most importantly, tell a friend you're enjoying Modern Day Marketer. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I am excited for today's guest. We are going to be talking about an article he wrote a while back, and we're going to try to draw parallels, see if there's changes or anything has been different from when he when he penned it. And the article was, are you designing CX for marketing or for your customers, which I think is uh, more applicable than ever today. I'm joined by James Gilbert, who is the newly minted CMO at Red Route. James, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great, Brett. Thanks for having me. And I am excited about this because this is something that I am so passionate about. I'm. I, this is a topic we I've been wanting to explore for some time. And so I'm glad you're here. Maybe before we get into the article, since you are new to a company, I think I saw in your LinkedIn profile, this is your third CMO uh, stop. What are the types of things that you're doing in the kind of marketing leadership position at your new company in the first couple of weeks? Like maybe shine a light on what you're up to. I think that'd be interesting for anyone listening. Well, first couple of weeks on, on, in a job like this, you have to create some really fast, quick wins. So that's what I'm doing is focusing just on the quick wins right now. And, you know, a lot of times people will build out like a 30, 60, 90 day plan at a startup, especially anywhere that's below a series A, um, or I would actually say probably more like anything below a series C, um, you need to have a 50, 30, 60 day plan, not a 30, 60, 90 day plan. So my focus is on execution and quick wins that we can actually tie to revenue and outcomes within the first 15 to 30 days. And we've already got some. So I've got some on the board already. And then really just, uh, I think the second thing is just establishing operating principles on, on how I operate as an executive with the rest of the executive team, uh, building trust across the executive team so that they can see like, yeah, you know, they made the right hire and they can trust me. So I think having you can spend way too much time in, in, in almost paralyzing yourself and, and learning. And if you always let that be the reason why you don't take action, then it will put you behind and that will make you lose trust with your leadership. Um, so one thing that we're doing at Red Route is we recognize that there's the potential of possibly creating a new category. So we're looking at doing that. And in the first little bit that I've been here, we've been talking about category names and looking at the market. And luckily I have a lot of experience with customer experience. So it makes perfect sense because that made, uh, I think me get even more trust with, with our leadership team is I can bring that to the table and bring a new perspective. I love it. And before we get off this topic, I'd be curious, you mentioned quick wins, which 
I always love to think about like coming into a new business and trying to make an immediate impact, like new people you're working with for the first time. I'm sure like new strategy that you're implementing or thinking about implementing, like how do you go, like, what is the process that you go about working with other people to get those quick wins? So they understand right out of the gates. Okay. Like this is, these are the types of things that we're doing and this is the type of impact it's going to have on our business. Well, uh with people and culture, because it matters so much to everyone. Um, I, I have my team that either comes with me or the team that I'm inheriting do two exercises. And then I also have some of the executive team that I'm going to be working with if they've never done it before, do it with me. And one of them is called a user manual. So it's a one to two page document and it walks through what you like, what you dislike, how you like to receive feedback and how you like to give feedback your communication preference channels, because we oftentimes get in the habit of assuming that everyone loves to get an email when the most common theme, believe it or not, across almost every team that I've ever managed is they would rather never get an email. And I think all of us feel the same way, but yet we communicate primarily in an email channel internally to our colleagues. So um, the user manual allows you to also draw out very, very specific needs that each member of the team has and how they like to be communicated with and worked with and coached. And just like some, everyone has quirks and you've got to figure out those, those quirks really, really early on so that you're not offending anyone and making sure that your like management style is jiving well. And then I also, the second item that I have people do is I have them do a video. It sounds strange. Not everyone has the video editing skills that that uh, make you a, like a videographer, which is fine. And that's the beauty of this is the instruction is make a video to introduce yourself to the whole organization so that they know who you are as a person. It could be as simple as on your mobile phone. And you would not believe, like I, you'll see in social very soon, I'm going to start sharing some of these with their permissions um, but you would not believe the creative, the creativity that comes from that. Like I have found people that I had no clue could do like really creative video and they just like came out of the woodworks and like produced something that was insanely amazing. And it took them just a little bit of time. Right. The thing we have to realize is because the world has changed so much around us, uh, the mediums that people like find entertainment in are the ones that all these people that we're hiring that are pro- probably younger than us in a lot of cases, they, they thrive in that environment. So we have to like mash the two together. We have to mash their world and our working environments together. And I have found these two exercises to be so helpful that we did it with uh, our CRO and our CEO here at Red Route. And they're like, this was awesome because they didn't even, I, they themselves didn't realize how they operate. So when you actually document it and you walk through these questions and you just like put down how, how you're trying to explain yourself to others, it's kind of eye-opening. There's a lot there. I think I'm going to have to steal the video thing from you. It's content, right? It's, we think a lot about content externally, but you're creating internal content that you then, you know, you can use it externally if you, you, uh, you know, get the permission and do it, but humanizing the brand, right. Also in that process, which I think is interesting, you're potentially finding individuals within your org that have special skills that can amplify 
what you're doing and differentiate what you're doing. And video obviously is a mega trend that's not going away anytime soon. So I love the process and insight and it's fun, right? It's good. It's good collaboration, good culture building along the way. I mean, I, I, I don't laugh a lot, believe it or not. Like my, my, my wife has this inside joke with me. Um, I love her to death. She's, she's my world, but I have a hard time getting her to laugh. And like, that's, I just, I'm not a funny person. And I'm also really hard not to crack. (laughs) It takes a lot. And these videos like have had me straight up like laughing out loud, you know, like really, really got me. So like the humor that also comes through these things, it really allows you to see a personality flourish in an environment where they feel comfortable. And you, you mentioned something that I think is spot on and that's humanizing a brand. The beautiful thing about doing this in an onboarding process is with permission, you can clip these videos, okay? And then you can share those videos on Instagram, which is, by the way, one of the best social media channels to humanize your brand and to help see talent that wants to see what a culture is like internally. Mm -hmm. So it, it allows you to also fast track some of the things you have to do at a CMO level with recruiting and culture and all of that, you're kind of, you know, doing these little things that are beneficial to the relationship to the, to, to the leader and their team, but you're also setting yourself up for success where now you have a ton of content that can be leveraged from an external perspective. Yeah. And so the, the key takeaway on that one, and then we'll move into the topic is people brands want to start Instagram accounts. Great. But make sure your intentions are right. Like you shouldn't be thinking about acquiring new customers from your Instagram account. You should be thinking about recruitment because everyone who you want to work at your brand is on Instagram and they're going to, in their evaluation process of you, they're going to hit the Instagram page. And that's an additional lever that you can pull to make them feel like this is something that they want to be a part of. That's what I kind of heard from you, James. Is that correct? Recruitment and entertainment. That's the only, that's, that's the only reason why a brand should probably be on Instagram. I love it. All right, let's dive into it. So I'm curious when I read the article, read the headline, the first thing that stood out to me was so often in marketing, we create experience. We say we create experiences, but they're for us and they're for our KPIs and they're not necessarily for the individuals that we are trying to reach. And I think that's, you're trying to tackle that in a uh, way throughout your article. And I want to get into that, but maybe before like we do that, talk about customer experience, talk about CX. It's a, it's a term we hear all the time in the market, in the industry, people talk about it, but I feel like it has a lot of different meanings. So when you think about it, what goes on in your head? I think one of the most beautiful explanations of this was by the CEO of Walt Disney and he was defining brand, but I actually think in all sense of the term, he defined customer experience as well. And I'll short, I'll I'll paraphrase it, but essentially it was a brand is the sum or products of a thousand small gestures. And it's my favorite quote. I believe you can do a lot with that, right? But if you really think about it, how all of us buy is we buy off of the experience of not just ourselves but others. All the small gestures that a brand has with you are either the same 
or different than what somebody else experiences. And we as humans have a natural inclination to what I'll say correlate the data. Okay. Um, And all we need to find there is we need to find people that have common ground with us. So if you think about review sites and like even Amazon and going on and and buying a product on Amazon, one of the very first things you do is look at the stars, right? Is the product rated well? And then if it's rated well, and you see maybe that there's some that are rated bad, where do you go? The customer reviews. So these are a thousand small gestures summed up into a tiny little product that's produced for a brand that probably has thousands of other products. And and so I think it is a beautiful way to explain both brand and customer experience. And I do think that they go hand in hand without a doubt. And I think one of the best exercises that organizations can get in to us to try to establish a, a customer experience culture is to map out the journey of the customer. So much of, I think, when I think about marketing and B2B marketing, so much of it is I'm going to, I'm going to deploy this tactic. I'm going to do this thing because here's the result I'm trying to get. So it's like this, we have as B2B marketers, it's just this transactional mindset. And so we we want to satisfy our KPIs. We want these results. But I think what, what you're recommending just in thinking about customer experience is like taking a step back and thinking about not just the one activity you do, but the culmination of activities you do. And by doing all of those things, you're kind of setting the stage to create and build a world that your future customer wants to be a part of. Yeah, we have a, we call it a motto in, on our, like within our, we, so I create a marketing vision for the, for our just marketing team to live by. And there's several mottos that we kind of like bring to the surface. One of them is this, and I like to tell everyone on the team, like, do not do it if you have not tested against this motto. And the motto is always see things through the one who buys that's the customer, the one who sells, that's your sales organization, and the one who keeps the customer happy. And that's your support, customer success, whatever it might be, right? This is the flywheel, folks. That's the flywheel that HubSpot came up with a long, long time ago, and now it's become a real big thing. And the reason why that motto becomes so powerful is a quick example that literally happened to me uh, first week on the job. I know what I need from a technology perspective. I've been doing this for a very long time, people. So I don't need like the wine and dine stuff. I don't need any of that, right? So knowing what I already know and what my budget is, I should be able to go to these brands and get what I need to move, right? I'm I'm the CMO. I need your technology now. Give it to me. Exactly, right? (laughs) So I'll tell you the experience that I went through. There were nine different vendors and Five out of the nine, I still didn't have an answer and a place to get the technology or a contract after three weeks. I am the de- I am the signer, the decision maker. I am the person that you want. Like, and not only that, I am an advocate. I, I advocate for these brands. Like, I talk to other peers that are at the same level as me, and I talk about your brand. So what's broken? is the process of us seeing the lens through the customer's eyes. And what's crazy to me is we never pressure test the things we do, or I shouldn't say never, that's a bold statement, but 
we rarely pressure test the things we do against our own minds. I, would you click on that ad? No. Would, would, would you want to go through a discovery call and then a second discovery call and then a demo call just to then get pricing in a contract? No. And that's where it all falls apart for me. So in, in that scenario, because that's that's like really, really good and doesn't get like doesn't get talked about enough, but like new CMO, you know the technology you need. Maybe t- like out of like all of those vendors, was there probably who you ended up going with, but was there like a state, like, was there a standout that you said, okay, just because like they didn't put a bunch of roadblocks in front of me and because I appreciate their brand and obviously their product plays, but the people like, this is a company I want to be, I want to be invested in. Was there like a, sp- what are the qualities or the things that the, the vendors did that like were different than the others, the ones that were kind of stuck in the old way? So I, I promise I will not mention any of the vendors that ha, ha, I had a negative experience with. I'm not about that. I will just talk about them on a broad level. But one one vendor who is very, very well known as in a particular category and space, I knew that it could be really, really fast to get them. And they used to have free trials. And so I could go in there, get adopted on the products, get it, get it going, like the technical side of things I could get on, right? And then we could negotiate like paid versions and contracts and all that other stuff later. That was my plan, but they got rid of the free trial. And so I actually, I, I will probably never ever do business with that brand again. Yeah. I went a completely different route where somebody had a free trial. I could go in there and get things going and it was comparable in price value and features were pretty comparable, comparable as well. And I know I can still get the things done that I need to get done. Right. Like, my VP of growth needed needed this technology uh, for very specific reasons, like immediately. So of course I'm like rushing to get this done. And the things that stood out to me of the brands that, that can win a business are the ones that make it more accessible, are the ones that if needed, provide a way to fast track, meaning you don't have to have everybody go down this same path, right? You need branches of paths for different types of buyers and different people. And then third was that somebody was there almost immediately. Another good example, and I will mention this company because I had a really positive experience with them. I've never been reached out to through LinkedIn messages when I've had a problem like onboarding a product. And Gated, like the CEO of Gated reached out to me on LinkedIn messages and was like, hey man, I know that we're having problems onboarding you. Let's get you fixed. Like within within 24 hours of me trying to get this thing um, connected to my 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 G suite. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. That's unreal. Like there's there's things called reactive and and then the whole other side of this is proactive. And if you think about the way that, that you buy a brand, like name a brand right now, Brett. It doesn't matter what industry it's in. It doesn't have to be B2B. It can be B2C. Like just name a brand that you have had either a positive or negative experience with. I'll say it, uh, a brand I've had a positive experience with that I've been buying this shoes from for probably the past five years. And let's, let's throw all birds out. Okay. All birds. So imagine if you need to, let's say you order from all birds and your order's not there, right? It gets lost. What is the likelihood 
of all birds proactively reaching out to you and letting you know, hey, like we lost your order, but this is what we're doing to fix it. The chances are like very little. Yeah. Most likely what's going to happen is Brett is going to call all birds and be like, where's my shit? Yeah, totally. Right? Yep. And that's the problem with customer experience today is too many brands are reactive and they are not proactive. So I would imagine, so you've gone, you're currently in undergoing these experiences are does like going through these experiences and like ha- having these negative and some positive reaction, uh, have you think about your, what you're doing at Red Route? Like, do, are we doing this to these people? Like, are you going through that evaluation process right now? And what do you, what are you finding? Yes. Um, it's, it's probably the thing I think about the most. We have part of like the little culture that I try to build within our marketing team and really cross-functionally on the customer success and sales. I really believe in that small gestures quote. I believe in it so much that everywhere I've been and led marketing, I try to create what's called wow moments in the buyer journey. And it can't just be one, it's got to be several. But a moment that literally makes somebody like almost drop their jaw. So the first little bit of, of like Red Route, I've been evaluating like where we can have these wow moments and where we can create a moment that makes us not just stand out, but differentiates us from any other brand. Because remember, there's a million people doing marketing automation. There's a million people doing SEO, a million people running ads. There's now a lot of people doing a podcast, right? So let me tell you what we do on our, what we're going to be starting a podcast very soon. It's going to be called Spamming Zero. It's going to be great. And uh, we, I've done this with every podcast that I've ever hosted. Every guest gets shocked because every guest gets a gift from us. Love it. They get something. And it's usually pretty unique to the guest and their personality. And it, it blows them away. Now I can sit here and I can say, like, Brett, if I were to have you on our podcast, I could like say, hey, Brett, I want you to promote the podcast. I want you to put it on social. That's a time. That's time that's going to take out of your day to do that. You may be like, okay, I'll do it because I like the episode. You may not. But how, mo- how much more inclined would you be willing to do if I created a wow moment and you're like, dang, that was awesome. Now, not only are you going to do it, but you're going to talk about that wow moment. I'm going to, I'll share a wow moment I received uh, just because we're talking about it and it's fun. So I participated in a webinar with Goldcast. I'm going to shout out Goldcast right now. It was a very, the whole process was excellent. Like from start to finish, shout out Misha from Goldcast for organizing it. And it was around a topic that we're passionate about at the juice. And so we get up and it was just a great conversation. I left it all being like, man, it had been a while since I had done a a webinar and that was a lot of fun prepared. It just went well. Well, when I was done sharing in Slack with my team, some of the takeaways of the experience, I go look at my Gmail and I see I've got an email and it was from someone at Goldcast that I was unfamiliar with. And it was a, a girl named Reagan. And I clicked the link from Reagan and it was just a thank you. Thank you so much for your participation. By the way, dinner's on us. And click the link. It was a, a gift card for DoorDash. Now, I thought, man, that was a, a very kind gesture, very thoughtful. And 
I moved on with my day. Well, what happened that night was my wife, while I was at working, she's a new mom. She doesn't get out of the house much. Uh, so one of her friends is in town and she was like, Hey, can I, can I leave and go out with these friends for dinner? And I said, yeah, sure. You, you deserved it. Well, what does that do for, for me? It's like, okay, well, what am I going to do for dinner? And so what did I do? I pulled up my email, went to the DoorDash link and said, well, here's an option and uh, use the DoorDash link. And we just have a, had a Shake Shack put in Indy downtown. I hadn't had it yet, but heard, of, heard the rave about it. So I got DoorDash Shake Shack and I was eating it and it was awesome. And as I'm eating, I'm just thinking about, thanks, Goldcast. So those experiences, like they're little, but real, I mean, they go a long way enough for us to shout out a couple of brands on a podcast about marketing. Yeah, small gestures, man. They, they really do go a long ways. There was somebody we had on our CRM Next podcast. I'm not going to mention her name because this is a little bit personal, but she was going through some some real stuff. And we found out about it as a team. So like we went and donated to help her. And man, I'll tell you what, like if you if you want to want to understand also like how to create wow moments that are literally unforgettable, that create relationships that are binding, get behind a cause as well. Mm. And that's when not only you you'll create uh, relationships, but you create fandom that's that's bigger than than you can measure. I love that. I want to make sure we one of the qu- questions that I wanted to tackle with you because I know you've got an opinion on this, but we're talking about these moments and these gestures, and obviously there's some sort of budget that gets associated with some of these activities. And one of the things I, I'd love to get your feedback on is with, with all of the increasing expectations on, on customer experience, how do we allocate room for that when year over year, like, or maybe just getting the same marketing budget over and over, like, how do we decide like what goes or how do we even position it internally? Well, I think one, the executive team has to come to an agreement that brand and customer experience are like one in the same. They're not the exact same thing, but they have to be like one in the same as far as like how we attack it as a leadership team and a GTM initiative. So once that is established, what I do is there's a small percentage that I work with finance on um, out of my overarching budget that I just say, this is stuff that we're not going to measure. Um, and it's going to be related to pushing brand and pushing the customer experience so that we can make sure it has bigger, bigger outcomes. It cannot be measured. Let me just say that. Uh, unless you have like a CX platform that goes deep into it and you have all the bells and whistles and all the plumbing done across your CRM and all the other tools, it, that's very rarely that that's going to happen. So you can't measure a ton of that stuff, which is okay. But I, but I always like to think about it like this as well. I did a post on that that sales situation with the vendors, and it went pretty viral. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to, right? But it did. The amount of people at my same level or that had buying power that were in the comments that said, this same thing happened to me, and it pisses me off. The amount of CEOs and founders that needed technology and vendors to, to do that won't work with them anymore. So... There's also the other side of the coin of an opportunity cost that you're missing out on. There is a bigger measurement against having a negative impact with a single person. One person having a bad experience with your brand can have a bigger ramification than your biggest deal that you've ever closed at your organization. By a long ways. 
All that one person has to do is go to social media. That's it. A good industry to use this as an example, they respond really, really well, but still it happens all the time. Our airlines, we always complain like if our flight gets canceled, something like that, people go to social media. Why? Because the brand will be reactive to a negative outcome much sooner than they will a positive. So I think that that's the way that you can also get that little carve of the budget and that percentage is say, we need this budget so that we can make sure that we are protecting the organization against some of the bigger opportunity costs that come without having a good experience. I love that. I guess like rounding, rounding it out on this one, I would imagine the answer is yes, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Do you think marketing should be the owner of CX? And if so, kind of why? Oh man, this one might get me in trouble with a lot of people. <laughs> Let's go. Ruffle feathers. I do. But, but here's what I'll say. Marketing should only own it if they have the ability to make the data that they have at their fingertips actionable for the rest of the organization to create the good experiences. If you have a CMO or VP of marketing or head of marketing that doesn't have the plumbing to have the data so that it can be acted on by the rest of the organization, then they probably shouldn't be the ones to own it. But it's, it ties too closely to brand and the experiences that you have. And by the way, marketing is touching more of the market with more touch points and more small gestures than any other part of the organization. I'm, I'm with you. And mostly because of the brand stuff that you just said, it's too, too close and too aligned and love the thought process and qualifier around data and accessibility. Let's close it out with this one, James. A lot of marketers, a lot of different types of roles listen to this show. What kind of feedback do you have for any marketer that's looking to level up kind of CX for their brand? Are there, is there anything specifically, something actionable that they, they can do after listening to this episode? Get your company to do a customer journey mapping exercise. I, I, I promise you, you will discover more gaps in the process and make yourself go through the journey. So once you map it, then actually go through the journey. You'll discover so many gaps. You'll discover so many friction points that you can solve for those. And that will help you level up faster than anything. Because when you solve for business problems and not marketing problems, you're seen as a business leader and not a marketing leader. So would you recommend that the, the marketer plays the role of the facilitator in that process? I did. I did. Um, at one of the companies that I was at, um, I ran a data charter across every function of the organization and we did a customer journey map. And then from that data charter, I was able to discover big gaps in the data that we were either capturing or weren't capturing in certain areas that we needed to produce and just armed me really, really well to be able to be seen as a, as a, as a leader. So there's so much good uh, nuggets in this episode, James, I appreciate you sharing your knowledge on CX and especially when you're getting up and running as a CMO at a new company, before I let you go, it is a marketing podcast. Is there something that we can plug or have listeners uh, send them to um, after they get done listening to this one? Well, not to like purposefully plug juice here, but I got to, I got to give you guys a shout out. (laughs) I got to give you guys a shout out here. The content matters. And the things that we can search for at the, at our fingertips and be educated on is, is vast. 
And I, I really love the vision that you guys are creating and what you're doing because you're creating experiences in the content world that are manageable for the individual and that are personalized to the individual. And, and so I got to give you guys a shout out there that if you guys are listening to this podcast and you're not currently on Juice, um, you really need to go get on Juice. It's, it's beautiful. I, I uh, will take that recommendation and I'll put an exclamation point next to it. Retweet, whatever you want to do. James, thank you so much. I learned a ton. I know our audience did as well. We will have to ha- talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it, Brett. Thanks for having me. I love talking to CMOs. So much insight and information to consider and think about. And CMOs are business problem solvers, okay? And this transcends the marketing function. So James said a lot of information in there that if you think about and apply it to what you're doing in your role, you can level up your professional career and growth quickly and help the brands you're working for. Thank you so much for tuning in. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We will be back. More Modern Day Marketer next week.